Well, congratulations. You've made it through the first nine chapters of One Chronicles. <laughs> and even though there are lots of interesting things in them, we've got to the more interesting part of Chronicles. So let's read chapter 10. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines followed hard after Saul and after his sons, and the Philistines killed Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua, the sons of Saul. The battle went hard against Saul, and the archers overtook him, and he was distressed by reason of the archers. Then Saul said to his armour-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and abuse me. But his armour-bearer would not, for he was terrified. Therefore Saul took his sword and fell on it. When his armour-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he likewise fell on his sword and died. So Saul with his three sons and all his house died together. When all the men of Israel who were in the valley saw that they fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled, and the Philistines came and lived in them. On the next day, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They stripped him and took his head and his armour and sent into the land of the Philistines all around to carry the news to their idols and to the people. They put his armour in the house of their gods and fastened his head in the house of Dagon. When all Jabesh Gilead heard that all the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and took away the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons and brought them to Jabesh and buried their bones under the oak in Jabesh and fasted seven days. So Saul died for his trespass which he committed against Yahweh because of Yahweh's word which he didn't keep and also because he asked counsel of one who had a familiar spirit to inquire and didn't inquire of Yahweh, therefore he killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. So we've now got to the point where we're starting to go over the same stories that we've been over before but they're different now. And I'm going to talk a bit more about this in detail as we get into later chapters, but the version of the story we're getting now, is the, it's the same story, but we're now getting a version that's being told from hundreds of years later. So the Samuel King's version, you know, going through all, you know, Saul, David, all of that that we went through was written at the time it happened by people who were eyewitnesses. You know, so Samuel wrote down what happened with Saul, Gad the prophet wrote down what happened with David, and so did Nathan. Then later on, Jeremiah wrote down what happened with all the kings. But we've now got the, uh, the version of events coming from hundreds of years later by an unknown author we call the Chronicler. And as a result, we're now getting um, some theology. So whereas before we just got history, now we're getting history plus theology. And we see right here that it talks about Saul and earlier, you know, in the Samuel version, it said that Saul killed himself, he fell on his sword. Technically, it's one of the few examples of suicide in the Bible, although it's not a true suicide like we often think of it, you know, where people are depressed and take their own life. This is here Saul. He's, he's not depressed, he's terrified because kings never like to fall into the hand of an, the enemy because of all the, the torture and the humiliation and the pain. It was, it was, often, it was terrible. Saul knew what was going to happen to him if that happened, and it was better to just um, get rid of yourself first and, and, and be, you know, avoid all of that. In modern times, uh, we, 
you know, if you've watched the news, you'll, you'll see even examples in modern times of people, there's an example in my mind, but I'm not gonna mention it, of, uh, you know, leaders, especially if they've been oppressive leaders and they fall into the hands of their people or fall into the hands of the enemy and then what happens? And so, but Saul knew that, that terrible things awaited him if he was captured alive. So he takes his own life. And so that's what, that's history. But here in verse 14, it says that, that he displeased the Lord, so the Lord killed him. So there you go. That's a, that's a bit of theology that's now been put on top of the story, explaining things from God's point of view. So we've got, you know, history from the human perspective, which is what was told to us in, you know, 1 Samuel 31. But now we've got God's perspective added on. The Lord was displeased, so the Lord put him to death. And you can see how um, what happens um, from a human perspective um, can look very much like something a person has done, but as far as God's concerned, it's something he has done. So that's a bit of theology entering into the story. And now we're going to go, as we go through all the book of Chronicles, we're going to find this, this has been, this is an addition. So we're getting a lot of stories that are being retold, but some of them have these theological comments added in because we're now getting God's perspective. But some, we're also getting extra stories that weren't told to us before. So going through Chronicles isn't just a rehash. It's, a, it's an important, um, you know, second perspective, God's perspective on things that happened. So Chronicles is a theological interpretation. So a few things that are just worth mentioning here. When Saul died, it's said here in this chapter that he died with his three sons and all his house. <laughs> and, um, you know, people say, but hang on, Paul had four, uh, Saul had four sons and not everybody in his house died. So technically, you know, if you're going to get strictly historical, you would say, right, yes. You know, not all of his sons died and not all of his house died. So that's because... You know, we're now not looking at this from a strictly historical point of view. We're now looking at it from a theological point of view. And what did die here was, yes, his three sons died and his house died. So what his, his house is his dynasty. It's the end of his line. Now, some people would say, but hang on, his fourth son, Ishbosheth, because when we covered, you know, in the, the story in the early chapters of Second uh, Samuel, one of Saul's remaining sons was kind of king for two years, kind of hanging onto the throne. But no, what has died here is it's, it's actually the end, it's the judgment of God and it's the end of Saul. So the fact that his house lingers on a little bit longer is, isn't the point. The point is that this is the moment where God decided it's all over and it was all over. So yeah, one of his sons lingered for a bit, but he too was killed two years later. And as far as um, God is concerned, this is the end of Saul's house and it's all over. So that's when you're reading the book of Chronicles, um, you've got to see that this is a, a theological interpretation because we're now looking at it from God's point of view. And so, yeah, from God's point of view, it's all over. <laughs> it's done. We're done with Saul. All of his house, gone. And um, so that's just the way it is. And um, so all of Israel abandoned their cities and they bolted. And so they basically fled across the Jordan River. And so you don't often realize that Israel, you know, is, is the north, the 10 tribes, and in the south, Judah and Benjamin. But you don't realize that all of Israel actually abandoned and fled across the Jordan to the, to the Transjordan area. 
and it says the Philistines came and lived in their cities. So this whole area is now occupied territory, occupied by the Philistines. And you don't often kind of realize that, but it is, and that's going to be interesting when we get to one, the next chapter or the chapter after. We're going to talk about the city of, or the town of Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, was occupied territory. So we'll talk about that. And then it says here that valiant men from Jabesh Gilead went and retrieved the body of Saul from Bethshan. So I measured it on Google Maps like I love to do. And from Jabesh Gilead, around about where we think that is, to um, Bethshan, uh, sorry, to um, Mount Gilboa, yeah. 25 kilometer journey each way through enemy territory. So you've got a case here where all this land is now occupied by the enemy, but these brave men, now they're called valiant men because it was a brave thing to do, and they went through enemy territory. Uh, it was a 25-kilometer journey each way, but about 20 of those kilometers was through enemy territory. So they did something very brave to retrieve the body of Saul, and it's no wonder it's mentioned as such. And then finally, at the end of this chapter, it says Saul's bones were buried under an oak tree. Now, if you read a different version, it would have said a tamarisk tree. And um, so there's this whole discussion about now, is it an oak tree or is it a tamarisk tree? <laughs> and some people think this is proof that the Bible is wrong, but it's not. It's just confusion over the Hebrew. Some people think it's an oak. Some people think it's a tamarisk. It's, it's a translator's choice. And so sometimes, because we're talking with ancient writings, these writings are, you know, two and a half thousand years old-ish, um, we're talking about writings that are very old, sometimes we don't know those languages as well as we know our own language. So um, sometimes there are words that are, you know, these, this is, there's a word here, you know, and it's two and a half thousand years old or even older than that. And when they get that word and they say, is it an oak? Is it tamarisk? We're not sure. So one version of the Bible, they'll put down one. A different version of the Bible, they'll put down another. Does it make a much of a difference to us? To us, it doesn't make any difference at all. I personally think it's probably a tamarisk tree. And I think the reason it's a tamarisk tree is because the tamarisk tree appears in other places. And it seems to be a theme with Saul, that he, you know, there's a story where he sat under a tamarisk tree with his spear. I think there's something about the tamarisk. I'm not a translate, tr translation expert, definitely don't know Hebrew very well. And so I'm just guessing. But anyway, it's definitely not something to lose your faith over. <laughs> So anyway, we're now, into, we're now into the more interesting part of Chronicles, and we're now looking at the same stories, but with some theology added onto it. And it's getting more and more interesting as we go through the Bible. We've only got about three or four more chapters of history. We've got First and Second Chronicles, we've got Ezra and Nehemiah, so that's four, and then we've got Esther. We've got five books of history. Then we've got one book called Job, which is history slash uh, wisdom writings. And then we've got a couple of books of wisdom writings, yeah, Proverbs, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and then we're into the prophets. So we're getting into interesting stuff where we're going to get more and more theological now in all the books that are ahead. So Lord, thank you for 1 Chronicles chapter 10. Let your blessing and your power and your grace be upon your people. And I pray their hearts and their minds be enlarged to know the Lord. Amen.